I just remember in health class, they were like, which is why you shouldn't do vodka Red Bulls. Oh, yeah. I just remember that from health class. I don't remember Same. anything. I don't remember anything about safe sex. We didn't talk about that. No, we didn't talk about we, that. We only talked about how you'll get an STD and die. Mm-hmm. Or get pregnant. Or die. get and both. You'll get pregnant with an STD <laughs> and, and you'll, you'll die. die. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> Good morning, good day, and good evening. And good night. Good night. Welcome to the Insomnia Report episode... 44. 44, thank you. Wow. I forgot. It's been so long since we've done this. The 11th cycle. Oh, wow. That sounds really poetic. Thank you. I'm Margo. And I'm Elizabeth. And we are the two friends and roommates that like to talk about the things that keep us up at night. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you have listened before, welcome back. We're so happy to have you. Thanks for listening. We got a wild card for you today. It's wild. It's It certain, certainly will be. I'll go ahead and light the candle. Uh, would you like to catch us up? It's been a, a very long time. Gosh, it's been so long. So long. Many minutes. Many minutes. We've done a couple of hiatuses just because we've been traveling and things like that. Life, you know. Yeah. It's really, really hot out. Ew. I don't like it. Really hot in the 90s all week and I hate it. Yep. Me too. I went on a little road trip with my mom and my brother. We went to Memphis. We went to Michigan. Went to Graceland, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was at the anniversary of Elvis's death, which was unintentional, but mm-hmm. it was very interesting. I feel and like you'd have to be a very big fan to like plan it. Yeah, for that. But it was Elvis week. It was Elvis week. I didn't know, but as I told you, I learned that Elvis like groomed his wife Priscilla because he met her when he was twenty four and she was fourteen. Again, I don't know how we keep doing this. Yeah, <laughs> and he told all his friends he liked her because she was young and innocent and he could make her into whatever he wanted her to be. Don't like that. So that's colored the way that I view him. Mm. Yes. That, that Lost a lot into, of respect uh, for him. Very creepy. His music is good, but... Um, ew. Yeah. Yeah. Just ew. So, yeah. House, house very gaudy, very 70s. Kind of small for a rich guy, but I guess their standards were different. Back then, they didn't have McMansions. I guess not yet. I'm sure he would have, but... Yeah. Who did you say the voiceover for the guided tour? Oh, yeah, John Stamos. Oh, yeah. You get a little iPad and, like, a headset. An entire iPad. And, yeah, you wear it around your neck, and John Stamos narrates all the rooms of Graceland. Wow. Do you think it was just because of that Full House bit? Because his character was obsessed with Elvis? Oh, I see. I'd never watched Full House regularly, okay. so I didn't know that. Oh, that would okay. make sense, wouldn't it? 
Well, I didn't know if it was... I don't know. I guess that... I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, there's also a theory that when Elvis died, it was because he was, like, straining too hard on the toilet and it gave him an aneurysm. That would be a terrible way to go. I think I heard that, too, though. Yeah, well, only because he was on, like, just, like, out of his mind on drugs. Like, oh, okay. I don't think that happens very often to people who aren't. But that's a theory. Rip. They didn't mention those things on the tour of Grace. Sadly. <laughs> So. No, it was the the Disney version, the very like he was a great guy. Look at all mm-hmm. he did. Mm-hmm. They they just really didn't talk about it. Very interesting people there. Um, lots of Elvis impersonators with the hair and the Elvis all across their clothes and all over their purses and Elvis, Elvis, Elvis. It's so weird everywhere. Did you know he had a twin, but he was still born? Oh. No weird. That's sad. I mean, yeah, it's sad. I did not know that. Yeah. Random, random facts about Elvis Presley. There you go. Thank you. Is that your story this week? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Okay. Uh, how are you? What's kept you up? I had a really, really crazy couple of days at work. My boyfriend and I are going to San Francisco, and I was able to get tickets to the night tour at Alcatraz. <gasps> So I'm so oh, excited. That's so cool. Because that's like kind of the one that's a little more ghost focused. Ah. And I didn't tell my boyfriend that because he's like kind of skeptical. So I'm like, <laughs> ah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I eventually told him and now he's like, wait, no. And I'm like, wait, I thought you didn't believe in ghosts. He's like, well, I just like, I've never encountered one. So I don't know. I'm like, well, great. Now you can. He's like, well, that doesn't mean I want to. <laughs> So Aww. I'm excited for that. That's um, so cool. So I'll go in a couple of weeks, but pretty. I don't either. The, the same things, you know. It's hot. I'm cranky. I'm mm. working a lot. <laughs> I'm very tired. I have no money. I'm very small. So you can only imagine the day I'm having. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, you know, yeah. Stat- status quo. Thanks. That was a good one. Yeah. I also took a ghost tour when I was in Memphis. Yeah, tell me. And I learned a lot of spooky things. Because you didn't tell me because you said you would wait for the podcast. Are you going to tell me now or next time? Well, I got a lot of fodder for the podcast, so I'll probably do some stories on it. Shout out to, oh gosh, was his name Daniel, who was the tour guide. Really good. Highly recommend the Backbeat Tours Memphis Ghost Tour if you ever go to Memphis. It's very good. Lots of walking, but very spooky. So, lots of ghosts in Memphis, y'all. What if you were to do an EVP at Elvis's house and you'd hear, like, <laughs> like on the EVP? He's just singing. Yeah. All right. You ready? Yes. Tell me something <laughs> wild. All right. It's a wild one. Also, listeners' discretion is advised. Gets kind of graphic, I guess. Okay. But first, I would like to know, what is the... Longest you have gone without sleep, do you think? Mm, probably like two days, not very long. Yeah. I sleep a lot. Yeah. You're like a little koala. You just... <laughs> in college, my, my roommates would send me Snapchats of of like all the times they found me sleeping just like randomly, <laughs> like in weird places. When you are tired, you do sleep, I will say. I mean, I, which is good. It's admirable, but... <laughs> I, I had to wake up Elizabeth so we could record, and I felt really bad. And I was like, hey, hey. It's okay. Are you, do you want to still? And then you're like, wait. I'm like, 
we can do it tomorrow. And you're like, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> How long do you think is the longest someone has gone without sleep? I want to say like 10 days. Okay. Don't you, I, you like die after a certain number of like a couple weeks or something, right? Mm. Well, I, I I suppose I'll learn more about this you <laughs> right might. now. You might. Today we're actually going back in time a little bit to the 1940s. And it's at the end of World War II. And there was a military sanctioned experiment that was permitted. And scientists were trying to develop a new kind of stimulant that would allow soldiers to go days without sleeping. Side note, Elvis got into amphetamines in the military in the 50s. That's where his drug addiction started. Sorry. Am I? Sorry. Go on. No, no. That's, um, that is, uh, hold that thought. Okay. <laughs> what was being developed is scientists took five prisoners to participate as test subjects. And since this was shortly after the Second World War, the prisoners were considered enemies of the state. Oh, they were prisoners of war? Yeah. Oh. They were told that if they were to complete the experiment, they would be set free. Huh. So to be freed, they would have to be observed for 30 days. The subjects were to stay in an airtight chamber under a controlled environment and they would have their, you know, oxygen intake monitored to ensure that the stimulant that they created wasn't going to kill them. So it was a type of gas that they were feeding into the room that was oh like God. a type of stimulant in the air. The room, it had books, it had cots, it had running water, a toilet, but none of the cots had any bedding. But there was also enough food supplies to have all of the test subjects be good for an entire month. Wow. So they were set up. The scientists were able to communicate with microphones, and they could also see through a one-way mirror. Um, and the windows were viewing the chamber. Um, it was the size of a porthole, and it had five-inch thick glass. And this was before CC cameras, so it was kind of... You know, they, they weren't under constant surveillance. It was a little bit different. So the prisoners were led into the chamber uh, where the gas would be released consistently at all times. So when the door was sealed tight, the, the scientists activated the stimulant. So for the first four days or so, like everything was relatively fine, the scientists monitored normal behavior, activities. However, around the fifth day, the conversations of the subjects uh, amongst each other started to get increasingly heavy, and they would talk about traumatic events that happened throughout their lives. So they were all, they could talk to each other? They were like in there together? Yeah, all five of them were in there together. Oh, I was picturing them in like individual I, no. cells or something. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, they were all in gotcha. the same room. That makes it like a little better. Right, right. You, late night talks like Sal. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess if you're going to be staying awake for 30 days or however long, hmm. I feel like you'd run out of things to talk about. Did they know they were being pumped with this stimulant? So they knew that they were going to be observed. And okay, if they, they finished, didn't know anything else. 
Not that I know of. Okay. I think they were just told, you know, if five of you can complete this, you can be set free. Mm-hmm. You can leave. Okay. So five of them did. I'm not sure if they were voluntold or they were picked at random or I don't mm. I don't know how it was determined, but five of them, if they completed it, would be able to leave. Okay. The subjects started eventually talking about traumatic events that happened in their lives along with uh, circumstances that they had gone through that led them to where they were today and the tone started to take a dive. After the fifth day, the subjects started to develop extreme paranoia. None of the subjects were talking to each other anymore. They were all, like, separated. And instead, they were either talking to the porthole windows, like they were talking to the um, scientists, or they would whisper into the microphones, like absolute nonsense, which is so creepy, I think. They believed that they could start to win the trust of the scientists by turning over their comrades or ratting out the other people and saying, this guy is a fraud or or what have you. So they were starting Mm. to kind of go a little crazy. So they've been awake this entire time? This entire time. Oh, my God. Under a constant stimulant that's like in the air. So it's not like, you know, a Mm -hmm. pill or, or anything. So they can't really avoid it. By day nine... One of the test subjects just started screaming uncontrollably. Oh, my God. Like, would not stop. He would run around the length of the chamber screaming at the top of his lungs over and over again, and it went on for three hours straight. As hours passed, he would attempt to scream, but he could only let out an occasional squeak, and the scientists believed that he ruined his vocal cords. This is so unethical. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The thing was, the other test subjects were unfazed by this. So you would think that if someone was screaming nonstop, you'd be like, shut up. No, you shut up. You know, like, Mm. or they would get agitated, but they were just like not reacting at all. Oh, my God. In fact, they just continued to whisper into the microphones. Sure enough, another one of the subjects would follow suit and he started to scream as well. Two subjects who were not screaming were tearing apart some of the books and ripping out pages. They would then proceed to, quote, wipe their own feces onto the paper and pasted them over the windows. So the the scientists could no longer see what was going on. Oh, my God. This is where you pull them out. (laughs) Right. This is where you abort mission. Oh, my God. Were they, were they, where were they from? Do you know? Russia. So so they could no longer, when they covered the last piece that you could see, the screaming promptly stopped, as did the whispering into the microphones, so there was nothing. So the second they put the last piece of paper on, everything went silent. But, and it was like that for three days. Like, they heard absolutely nothing for three days, and the scientists thought, you know, maybe the microphones broke, but they could hear the gas being like pumped through and they all the subjects just went silent oh my god oh my god the researchers kept checking the microphones and they determined that they were not broken and all of the monitors indicated that the men were still alive the oxygen levels were fine they were healthy like all things considered like all the the vitals were fine 
like for being okay with like 12 days without sleep or whatever it is yeah. now it's the 14th day now they just didn't go in and like unpaste the no oh, okay they they did they did not i don't know why maybe they're like i don't want to clean that up <laughs> it's not my job oh my god so it's the 14th day and they haven't heard anything. So the scientists are gathering around to discuss, you know, what what should we do now. Initially, they didn't want to interact with the subjects. They wanted to, you know, really have this in a controlled environment and not have any anything going on. But they decided they would use the intercom and try to get some sort of a, a reaction because they were afraid that something was wrong. Like you couldn't have figured that out three days ago when they went silent, right? Or when they started screaming. When they started screaming for three hours. Oh my god, this is horrible. So they went on the intercom and said, "Quote: We are opening the chamber to test the microphones. Step away from the door, lay flat on the floor, or you'll get shot. And oh if you are compliant, one of you will be rewarded with your immediate freedom." To their shock, one of the subjects replied in a calm voice that said, we no longer want to be freed. So after they heard this, the sign. <laughs> so that happened. So that happened. It was super cute. So uh, they called the military who was funding this experiment and they discussed, yeah, um, so what do we do? <laughs> and it was ultimately decided that they would open the chamber doors at midnight on the 15th day. So in a couple of hours, they would have everything ready to open the doors and carry this out. The chamber was flushed of the gas and the room was filled with fresh air to prepare for the scientists to come in so they wouldn't be affected. And when that happened, the subjects spoke to the microphone and immediately started to object and three different voices could be heard begging and pleading to turn the gas back on. Oh my god. And despite this, the the soldiers went in to retrieve the patients. So they hadn't seen the patients for many days. At this, the subjects started screaming louder than ever and at the sight the soldiers started to scream too because one of the subjects had actually died. Oh, no. And the other four had, quote, taken chunks of meat from his thighs and chest and stuffed it into a drain at the center of the chamber. Okay. Which caused the chamber to flood about like four inches of flood water. And one soldier said that it was hard to tell if there was more blood or water in the mix. Oh. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Um, it was also observed that the food had not been touched since like past the fifth day. So they had not been eaten. The four living subjects had large portions of their muscle and skin torn away from their bodies, and the bone on their fingers were shown indicated that it was self-inflicted, so they were just, like, tearing at themselves. Oh, my God. Uh, by their own hands and, and, like, not by their teeth. They also were tearing at their abdominal muscles to the point that you could actually see parts of their heart and their diaphragm. Oh my god! So, how are they alive? No one knows. 
because parts some of their organs were like on the table and you could like see it pumping and working and some oh my God. some of them said that they could see the digestive tract working and it was determined that they were eating the human flesh that they were ripping off oh my god like their own yeah oh <laughs> okay okay yeah i'm <laughs> <All right>. sorry <laughs> this is probably like one of the most graphic ones i've oh my god okay so the Russian sh- soldiers that were working at this lab were part of a special operations unit, but they refused to return to the chamber to get the subjects. They're like, I'm not going back in there. I, like, what I saw was too traumatic. I'm not doing it. And all of the subjects of the experiment just continued to scream and ask for the gas to be turned back on and for them to be left alone in the chamber. To everyone's shock, Even after all this time without sleep, the subjects had incredible strength and they were able to fight with the soldiers that were trying to remove them. One Russian shoulder had their throat ripped out. Another one had an artery in his leg severed by a subject's teeth. And another one of the Russian soldiers lost their lives. So five Russian soldiers lost their lives in total and... It was said that some of them were so traumatized that a couple of weeks after they like couldn't deal with like the the effects of what they saw. Oh my gosh. Wait, so to clarify, is this the Russian military that's doing this experiment? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Very good. To clarify, yes. So during this struggle, one of the subjects had their spleen ruptured and when a medic was trying to help, it was impossible to sedate this person and he kept screaming and struggling like a wild animal even though he was like bleeding out and he even broke his ribs and the arm of the medic that was trying to help him because he was just fighting back so hard so this subject eventually bled out but his heart continued to beat for a full two minutes and even after his heart stopped beating he continued to scream for another three minutes what was that i don't know something in my throat sorry oh my god uh before going completely silent when he was on the floor bleeding before he finally died he just kept screaming more so the three remaining subjects were restrained and taken to a medical facility to try to like help fix their injuries because you know some of their organs were all over the place they had ripped apart their their bodies one of them was more severely injured so he was taken to the operating room to like have his organs put back together right away however he was immune to the sedative and he fought against the restraints and when the anesthesiologist was like brought in he tore and fought through the leather leather strap on his wrist and he was like fighting a 200 pound soldier and when they were able to put the anesthesia through him the second his eyes closed his heart stopped oh my god so he died like when he shot his eyes oh my god so they were now going to operate on the first subject that ruined his vocal cords because he screamed for three hours and he could not talk but he would nod or shake his head no And when he was going to be put under the anesthesia, he refused. He was acting wild. He he didn't want to to do it. He didn't. And it was determined he was able to communicate 
that he wanted to go forward without anesthesia. Oh, my God. So, it, I mean, the, the surgeon said it would be medically impossible for you to be alive to survive without anesthesia, and it's a six-hour procedure. But they did it, and one of the nurses said that the patient's mouth started to curl whenever they made eye contact, and he would just have, like, this evil grin on its face whenever their eyes met. And, oh. yeah. <laughs> God, it's okay. Uh, so after the surgery, the patient wheezed and was signaling frantically to get the surgeon, and the surgeon gave the subject pen and paper since, you know, they could not speak, and they wrote down two words. Keep cutting. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Finally, they performed surgery on the third subject who also refused anesthesia. When he was being operated on, he laughed uncontrollably, and the subject followed everything being done with their eyes. He wasn't moving, but he mm. was awake, and he just his eyes were following everything that was oh going my on. Oh, God. Which is right out of a horror movie. I hate that. Okay. When the surgery was over, the researchers asked why all of them were ripping, like attacking themselves. Like, why did you try to take out your own organs? Mm -hmm. You know, because that's a question you ask every day when you're... <laughs> so, uh, why did you remove your spleen? Explain this to me, please. I'm sorry. It's on the table and um, you kind of need that. Oh, my God. The response given was, quote, I must remain awake. Oh, wow. So the subject's restraints were reinforced and they were going to be put back into the chamber until they what could the until they okay. could figure out what to do. They didn't put the gas back on yet, you know, okay. like they're just like, okay, we're going to put them in there. We're going to have a powwow. We're going <sighs> to we're going to discuss this. The scientists did not want to continue. They're like, we this is obviously not the right move. You do not want your soldiers to be like this, mm -hmm. you know, like this mm -hmm. is I think we should we should stop the experiment. However, the military commanding officer wanted to see what would happen. He saw potential in this. He said, look, like, they're super strong. They're obviously, like, they want to keep going. Oh they like God. the gas. Like, I think we should continue. What the heck? So despite arguing, it was determined that the gas would be turned on again. But before putting the gas back on, they came into the room and they put EEG monitors on the subjects. And for those of you who don't know, those monitor your brain waves. So once the subjects were told that they would be put back with the gas, they stopped struggling. And then once back in, one of the subjects just kept humming loudly and continuously the whole time. The other one who couldn't speak anymore was like straining his legs like one after another, like repeatedly. And then the third just like kept hovering his head over the pillow, like not quite touching it. But he was blinking rapidly and continuously nonstop. Oh, my God. While studying the brain waves, researchers were surprised that they were all relatively normal, but on occasion they would flatline and then go back to normal. Oh my god. So the one that kept blinking with his head hovering over dropped his head to the pillow, and when that happened, his brain waves immediately flatlined and his heart also stopped at the same time. Oh my god. So everything just all at once. So he just so, died. So he just died. Oh my god. Then the subject that could speak started screaming to be sealed again. Let's get on with it. Mm -hmm. Stop wasting time. Just put the gas back on. 
And the commander then just said, okay, go ahead and continue to seal the doors with the two surviving subjects. And then he said, you know what? We're going to throw in three scientists as well. What? Well, come on. So when, I don't know what the reason for this, if he wanted to do it so bad, like, why didn't he do it? You know, like, like, which is, do you not see, like, organs are everywhere, but okay. That's such a, oh my God. Okay. So when one of the scientists was selected, when he found out, like, his name was called to go in, he said, absolutely not. And he grabbed a gun and shot the commander in the head. And then he turned around and he shot the test subject that couldn't speak. Mm. And then he directed his gun to the final one, the one that was humming. And the scientist holding the gun said, I won't be locked in here with these things. And then he screamed and asked the test subject, what are you? And then the test subject smiled and he said, have you forgotten so easily? We are you. We are the madness that lurks within you all. Begging to be free at every moment in your deepest animal mind. We are what you hide from in your beds every night. We are what you sedate into silence and paralysis when you go to the nocturnal haven where you cannot tread. At this, the scientist paused, aimed the gun, and he fired. The EEG then flatlined, and the test subject choked out, so nearly free. (sighs) Oh my god, holy cow. That, my friend, is the Russian sleep experiment. This is, in fact, a creepy pasta. It's not real. So it's it's unlikely it, that it actually happened. Oh my god! Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay. However, you know, a lot of people on the internet kind of debate, mm-hmm. like they think it was leaked, and then everyone's like, "Oh no!" Like it's it's not real. So you never know. You would never know. However, the longest actual report that someone has gone without sleep is 11 days and 25 minutes. So you're close. Oh. But according to this, if this was real, it was a little over 15 days. Mm, okay. So don't know if they were acting crazy because of the stimulant that they had made or if it mm-hmm. was a combination. But I read that and it freaked me out. <laughs> and the author of it is unknown. Oh. So they don't know who wrote it or reported it, but it first surfaced in, I think, 2010. Okay. While I I don't think this is necessarily real, there are indeed some instances where organizations or what have you have indeed tested things that may not have been ethical. Mm. And that will actually be my topic in the next classroom report. So this is kind of a two-parter. Okay. Because I started doing the other one. And I was like, well, this would be a better classroom one. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? This actually sounds like the creepypasta. So I was like, wait a minute. They're very similar oh in a way. So yeah. stay tuned. That's a little teaser. But I didn't want this episode to be way too long. So that will be my classroom report. So okay. you'll see that in two episodes. But because that one was pretty traumatic, I uh, <laughs> I wanted to leave with some facts about sleep and okay. why you need it. So if you go without a restful night's sleep, you can be groggy. You might even be a little cranky. And according to Healthline, people who get less sleep are more likely to actually be overweight. 
So there are a lot of long-term side effects to um, lack of sleep. Children who have shorter sleep schedules are 89% more likely to be overweight, whereas Mm. adults are 55% more likely. Hmm. Sleep regulates certain hormones that control appetite. So when you are sleep deprived, it it increases your levels of ghrelin, which stimulates appetite and lowers levels of leptin, which suppresses appetite control. Hmm. So it basically flips it. And sleep also helps regulate memory, focus, and productivity. So those who don't get enough sleep tend to make more errors. They have a harder time learning or retaining information. And they also have difficulty concentrating, which explains so much about me. (laughs) So sleep plays a large role of sorting information into our memory. So if you don't get enough sleep, you are likely to not remember what you had learned the day before. Mm -hmm. So if you spend all night cramming for an exam, Mm -hmm. it's not going to... It's always suggested that you spend like a couple hours every day studying, but that never happens, you know? Right. There was a study that actually found that short-term sleep can have the same impact of levels of functioning in the brain that is similar to being intoxicated. Mm, Don't drive when you're sleeping. Exactly. So there was a study that uh, someone who went 24 hours without sleep had similar degrees of functioning to those that have a blood alcohol concentration of 0.10. Oh my God. Which is above the legal limit in most states. Wow. So some famous accidents that have been the result of sleep deprivation include the nuclear accident at Three Mile Island in 1979, the Exxon Valdez oil spill, and Chernobyl. to name a few all because people were sleep deprived according to the national highway traffic safety association natsa (laughs) (laughs) i was like what is that what's that acronym a hundred thousand automobile accidents are caused as the result of fatigue oh wow and 1500 deaths each year oh my god People who are sleep-deprived are at greater risk for heart disease, stroke, or even developing type 2 diabetes. And as I alluded to earlier, lack of sleep can cause someone to be irritable, have to shift in mood, or tend to be more emotional, Mm. as well as long-term effects can cause a development of anxiety or depression. And further, 90% of people with depression report having sleep trouble. So it's Mm. kind of like a never-ending cycle. Yeah. And then people who don't get enough sleep tend to have weaker immune systems. Obviously recommended that an adult gets eight hours of sleep every night. And if you go about longer than two days without sleep consecutively, you start to hallucinate. Oh, wow. There are five stages of sleep, uh, assuming that you get the full hours that you need. So the first stage is... You know, your eyes are closed, but you can be awakened easily. You Your muscles start to relax and you produce like alpha and theta brain waves. And this usually lasts about five to ten minutes. The second one, you are in a light sleep. And this is when your body temperature starts to drop and your heart rate slows. And this is like your body is pre-gaming for a deeper sleep. It's like, okay, mm. I'm almost there. 
And this stage lasts about 10 to 25 minutes. So then stages three and four are the deep sleep stages. And this is when your brain produces slow waves or delta sleep. And this is the part of the NREM cycle where your body repairs, regrows tissue, it builds bone and muscle, and it strengthens your immune systems according to WebMD, which is why sleep when you are young is so vital because your body is constantly restoring itself. Wow. Bodies are weird. Bodies are incredible. In this stage, your heart and breathing rates are at the slowest. And your brain starts to consolidate memories, but this is the part where it starts to store the general knowledge, so statistics, facts, experiences that you've had, and so on. But stage five is REM, which stands for rapid eye movement. So that is when it's about 90 minutes after you fall asleep and you go through a couple of different you know, cycles of REM, your heart rate starts to increase and so does your breathing your temperature regulates and this is where you have vivid dreams your brain actually sends signals to paralyze your body so you don't act out your dreams mm-hmm. which i thought was pretty cool and evolution how did they figure that seriously, out seriously though this is when your brain is storing memory and on the emotional level so in stage like three and four, that's when it does like the statistics and, and general stuff. But this is where it processes long-term emotional memory. It's, it's essential for learning and development. So there you go. Get your sleep. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So thankfully, it's TBD if the Russian sleep experiment was real. Some people believe it is. I, I don't think... Yeah. It's kind of like the Slenderman thing, you know? Yeah. I think it's been floated around the internet so much that some people really do think. Mm-hmm. I don't think like that particular one is, but I, I do think the government does a lot of oh yeah sketch, sketch. I wouldn't be surprised. Sus things. I was like really freaked out at first because it was making me think, I don't know, it was just making me think about how like we're all just like dependent on the chemicals in our brains and like if something messes those up like maybe we'd start tearing out our own organs and right like, someone like, could do, do that, that to me and like i was like oh my god what am i who am i but anyway i thought it'd be more fun if i didn't say that no thank you so oh my gosh um, it was a wild ride it was <laughs> yeah so it's cool that you hadn't heard that before yeah but sorry <laughs> no thank you i feel like an ass cool cool in terms of horrible (laughs) horrible things but uh i also heard one time that um the day after they adjust daylight savings time so you lose an hour of sleep there are like a bunch more heart attacks a bunch more auto accidents and judges tend to sentence um people to harsher sentences oh that's good just because they lose an hour of sleep well i would i feel like because people rush and they're like oh crap like now i have to i don't Mm -hmm. know and they're just cranky and yeah tired i don't know man i'm i'm always like that i don't get enough sleep i need to follow my own advice Mm -hmm. this is a psa to get your sleep according to harvard researchers it's it's really unknown to scientists why exactly we sleep, but they just know that we need it. And mm-hmm. to your point earlier, if you do go so long without sleep, you will die because your body mm-hmm. can't restore itself enough or it kind of shuts down. Yeah. 
it, it overheats, if you will. You know, like if yeah. you run your laptop too long and then it starts to like, mm. like Van is like, I can't keep up and then it shuts down. Yeah. yeah. Kind of. That's my analogy. Oh my gosh. I think um, that's part of, it makes me think of when I was talking about Guantanamo, mm. how they would like just blast music for like days on end yeah. and you can't sleep and then you start like hallucinating. Yeah. Yeah. Icky. So weird. I think everything sleeps too. Like all animals. Wow. So, uh, oh my gosh. Okay. How do whales sleep? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I don't but know. But I feel like they're way more evolved than us, so they probably figured it out. Yeah. Whales have pelvic bones. They do? Yeah. Well, we're we're like evolved from them, right? Kind of. <laughs> that was my whale. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. I don't. I mean, I think so. Let me look Who it knows? Up. Darwin, are you there? How do I sleep? Okay. Observations of bottlenose dolphins, okay, uh, and of whales and dolphins in the wild and in aquariums show two basic methods of sleeping. They either rest quietly in the water vertically or horizontally or sleep while swimming slowly next to another animal. Aww. So they can swim and sleep at the same time. Oh, this picture is kind of weird, but it's kind of cute. Like floating horizontally or vertically. What weird in the reality water. is this? <laughs> It's like it's like when um oh we God. all did the planking. It's kind of like the <laughs> opposite. Yeah. I assume they float because they have air inside of them. Yeah, and plus they can go longer like underwater obviously. So, so. they're sleeping without breathing. Oh my god, nature's so metal. Well, <laughs> thank you for opening this can of worms. I'm going to be thinking about this as I'm sleeping. That's my mission. Do you have yeah. something wild? Yeah. It's not as much of a roller coaster as the <laughs> Russian sleep experiment, but well We'll see if we can make it exciting. Imagine you can make billions of dollars, oh. but it would lead to the deaths of people around the world. Shoot. That sounds like Twilight Zone. I know. Wait, billionaires do that all the time. <laughs> um, I know. Hypothetical. Is this like I one know. of those moral questions? Like, Maybe. Like, would you do it if innocent people died around the world? But you yeah, I don't dollars? Yeah, but I don't know. Like, how many people... <laughs> <laughs> no i mean like if i had a billion dollars i would um, give back to the community so no no i couldn't do that fuck like what if okay, it was yeah, someone i know i know, I, no. know you, I know you couldn't do it i couldn't i just had to ask it is okay. a philosophical question okay okay i do like philosophical conversations but it makes me sad because like what if someone yeah, was like too. yeah i'll take it and then i died i was be like you dick yeah then it i'd haunt backfired. him I just want to be a ghost and scream at people. Back during World War II and back? beforehand. No, no. Like back in time. Oh, I thought you meant like the, the composer. I was oh, like, no. He died a well, very long time. We are time. talking about Germans. But okay. Oh, also so, World War II. Yeah. Except no Russians here. Okay. Um. So back, yeah. During World War II and beforehand, when Hitler was a thing, he was kind of feeling competitive with the U.S. because the U.S. had this, like, middle class and everyone had a car. Ooh. And he was like, I need to give my Aryan race German empire cars. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because, people have the automobiles. Yeah. Yeah. So he was like, all right, I need to give these people cars and it's going to be called the people's car. 
The Volkswagen? The Volkswagen. Yay! Volkswagen. Yeah. So he collaborated with this guy named Ferdinand Porsche hmm. to create the Volkswagen. And they like had this factory. They mounted it on Ford's factory. Hmm. And yeah, they created this thing. I feel like not a lot of people know that, that the Nazis I created. I actually BMWs. did not. Thank you. Yeah. Um, not great. <laughs> but... Uh... <laughs> This is what happened. You know, a lot of really not great people did a lot of things, so. Yeah. yeah. I'm not justifying what. Anyway. Hitler sucked. Yeah. Like, a lot. Like, Duh. Hitler, yeah, obviously Hitler was horrible, but he also helped create the VW. They needed a factory, and they literally, like, created a town. Uh, like, they, in 1938, the Nazis created a town called Wolfsburg in Lower Saxony to be this, like, factory town. Cool. So it didn't really exist before then. It had, like, a castle, but it wasn't like it. Yeah. Um, and today, the VW factory in Wolfsburg is the largest factory in the world. Hmm. And it employs 60,000 people. Interesting. Which is half of the population of the town. And they have 600,000 employees worldwide in 100-plus factories around the world. Interesting. And it's the richest city in Germany with GDP per capita of $128,000. Wow. So. Okay. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a thing. All right. It's a thing. They make 3,000 to 3,500 cars a day. Wow. Um, Do people even want that many cars? Like, like. <laughs> well, yeah. So after World War II, they rebranded. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I guess from the Nazi car to the hippie u.s car oh. in the 60s and they had you know the vans and like the bugs and whatever yeah but then after that the sales went way down and their quality did too and no one in the u.s was buying vws anymore sad you know who had a vw who ted bundy oh shit <laughs> <laughs> you yeah anyway it's the the negative vibes are bad juju yeah so there's this guy who came in Ferdinand Peach. I don't know if I said that right. Peach. 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 Um, <laughs> he was the grandson of Portia, and they brought him in to like save the brand or whatever. And he decided, or he invented this car. It was like a clean diesel car. Mm. So that was like their new thing, and his idea to like revive the brand of of VW in the U.S. and around the world. It's called the TDI for short. Don't know what that means. Turbocharged direct injection. Cool. Don't know what that means. My dad would know. I don't know anything about cars. I don't either. So, uh, just so you know. Uh, well, it's for direct fuel injection, whatever that Great. means. So, The fuel injector went out of my car a few weeks ago, installed Sad. it, and then I couldn't drive. That's. Did you have to Uber? No, I was... It was when I texted you, I was pulling into a parking spot. Oh, okay. And thankfully. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm um, sorry to hear that. <laughs> it's okay. It's fixed now. Thank Good. you, Father, for fixing. So the thing with diesel cars, because it's normally just like trucks and stuff. Yeah. They use diesel, right? Yeah. So diesel is not does not burn cleanly. The engines are similar for standard gas engines and diesel engines, but diesel produces a lot more pollution even though it produces less CO2. Oh. And it produces, the main thing it produces is nitrogen oxide, mm. also called NOx, mm. 
snacks. Which leads to air pollution and damages lungs, and it's just, like, really, really bad. Um, it, and it produces 20 times more NOx than a gas engine does. So that's the problem with diesel. And um, it also, yeah, creates smog. Like, when you are in a city and you see the smog, that's NOx oh. from the pollution. And acid rain, it causes acid rain. Ew totally messes up plants and stuff and it gives people asthma and other health problems including heart problems and even cancer Jeez. so nox is really bad so they needed to find a way to have these diesel cars that produce this nox but like not exhausted out sure and so vw created these nox traps that burned it before it was exhausted out but this was really expensive and they had to be replaced all the time so it wasn't really a good solution okay and at the time and i think maybe even still the u.s somehow has stricter nox emissions laws than in europe um which seems like it should be opposite because i feel like europe regulates that stuff way more but what yeah i don't know who knows so here's where it amps up a little bit this guy becomes named martin winterkorn <laughs> uh, becomes head of vw and they had this new strategy where they wanted to be the number one car producer in the entire world they're like we need to dominate the world and we'll do anything it takes to to get there Uh-oh. and so they pushed this diesel car even more in the U.S. They're like, this is our ticket. This is how we dominate the U.S. market because it's the largest market. And there's so much pressure to increase these car sales in the U.S. They built a new factory in Tennessee. And they had this, as I said, this new clean diesel car, the TDI car. Um, And they went on this huge ad campaign where they said, it's the most affordable car. It's clean. It's fun. They're cute. They're great with um, kids. <laughs> they'll do your laundry and <laughs> wash your dishes. They'll tell you you look great. <laughs> um, you get really good mileage, stuff like that, and they're yeah. environmentally friendly. But the main question that people had was, how is this possible? Because everyone knows that the diesel fuel is like bad for the environment and there's no good solution for it. How can they... How could this be? Yeah, how can they stick to these regulations and still sell this car? Like, it seemed too good to be true, but... Most people were just like, "Oh yeah, like cool, like sounds legit." You know, they they figured okay. it out somehow. They're they're Volkswagen. They, Did they like lie. Well, you don't have to tell me. Well, I'm I'm gonna tell well, you. I'm gonna I mean, tell you. not right now. Like, do um, it when it's in your notes. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. So there's this group called the International Council on Clean Transportation, or the ICCT. Ict. Ict. <laughs> cute, cute, cute. And they were like cool like vw figured it out you know we can we can use this technology and extrapolate it to other car manufacturers and it'll be great because you know it's a good solution and so they got a few of these cars and they were testing them um and the guy in charge of the group was an american guy named john german ironically (laughs) um and so this group they worked with environmental regulators and emissions regulators basically to just make sure that they're doing it correctly and they're yeah, yeah. regulating the emissions i sure, guess sure, sure. they test these cars in a couple different ways they do it in a lab where there's no one in the car and they have this i forget what it's called but it's like 
I don't know how I don't know how it works. Like I said, I don't know anything about cars, but it it they turn the ignition and the the cars on these like rollers, so the wheels are moving and oh, so the exhaust okay. is coming out. and They have a pipe fitted to the end, and then they can like measure it. Interesting. The exhaust science rules. Yeah, and then they also have a version where they it's a portable emissions test machine, and they do it while they're driving on the road. So they'll put it in a trunk because it's small and then they like attach it with a hose and then they're driving the car around and then they can test it that way so they can do it both in the lab and on the road nice in like 2011 and 2012 there was this report that came out from the joint research center they're um part of the european union Uh, they're like the scientific arm of the european union and they showed that europe had increased diesel emissions but no one really knew why and no one really did anything about it. So, like I was saying, the ICCT, um, they were testing these diesel vehicles because they wanted to, they were like, oh, Europe has this problem. Like, I guess VW in the US has a solution. We Maybe we can help them. Or, you maybe know, we can work something out. Yeah. America runs on diesel. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Apparently. I guess. Apparently. <laughs> Um, so the University of West Virginia was helping them test the vehicles, and as I said, they did it on the road, they did it in the lab, and they said that, or they noted that there's always, like, the emissions standard and the one that the company says the cars produce, but there's always some variation depending on where you're driving and just, like, you know, in the real world. It's not always perfect. Sure, sure, sure. So there's always some variation um, or deviation from the standard emission levels. But in the VW cars, they were, like, very confused because in the lab, they met all of the requirements for the emissions. But when they were driving them on the road, it was, like, their NOx levels were 40 times higher than what they saw in the lab. Weird. And they were, like, what's going on? This doesn't make any sense. Right. Like, how can it be one way in the lab where it meets the standards and then they're driving around and it doesn't anymore? Hmm. So they didn't know what to do and they were doing all these tests and they thought at first like, oh, it's just the car. Right. The car is, there's something wrong with it. But how could it still pass the test in the lab? So they just like really couldn't figure it out. And so then the guy running the study, John German, he thought about it could be this thing that he's seen before and that's that people have used in vehicles before it's called a defeat device Hmm. and like i said manufacturers have used these in the past they're illegal Mm. and they face really heavy penalties but it seemed like it could be the only option because there were no other because they had just tested it so like so much Mm. but this guy john german he was like i can't say that vw is using this in their cars because otherwise they'll sue me right and, like, nothing will happen. Right. Because they're this gigantic company. So, in 2014, he published this data at, of this study at a conference in San Diego. But he didn't mention, the like, the makers of all the cars in the study. Um, they were just, like, car A, car B, car C. Oh. And he also posted it online so anyone could view it online. Interesting. But he also sent an email to Volkswagen and was like, hey, just so you know, like... I'm posting this online and also these cars are yours. Oh. Um, but like didn't tell anyone else or like the public. Right. So this this caught the attention of the state of California. And then they started testing the vehicles and they had the exact same results. 
in the lab, they were fine, but on the road, they were between 40 to 80 times the limit of oh my gosh. the emissions uh, the, laws or the regulation. Know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They even, um, they were tested by a group called CARB, <laughs> the California Air Resources Board, and they drove a Jetta, a VW Jetta, like from Los Angeles to Seattle and back. They just like drove every- Imagine having that in your job. Road trip. <laughs> I know, right? And they had the testing thing on it the whole time. So they had like extensive, like over 2,000 miles of data for these cars and they had a few of them and so they had they were like going back and forth with vw and emails and stuff they're like okay because they're not gonna say oh they're they're doing something to these cars because it's vw like why would they they're this big company like we can't accuse them of that it doesn't make sense like no one would do that and so they, they just kept assuming like giving them the benefit of the doubt. Oh, you know, maybe it's the cars. Maybe we did it wrong. And so they would go back and forth with them via email. And, and the VW people kept emailing them back too. Like, oh, it's probably just maybe you're the people doing the study did it wrong. Or like, you know, maybe your machines aren't working or something like that. But meanwhile, in Germany, the big VW execs, they were emailing each other. <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> Pretty much they were like, like in the text of their emails, they're like, "Okay, there's this, there, there's this data that's going on. We cannot tell the authorities about this because then they'll investigate us, because they'll think we're using these defeat devices." And so to explain, a defeat device is basically something that manipulates the emissions in certain conditions. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, okay, that makes sense. So. Like I said, VW was stalling, whatever, and the regulators in California still didn't want to think that it was a defeat device. And the guys in charge in the U.S., it was this guy named Stuart Johnson. He was the head of engineering and environmental in VW. And then there's a guy named Oliver Schmidt, who was the general manager in the U.S. Stuart Johnson claimed he didn't know anything about any of this. Oliver Schmidt, though... In some of his emails, he explicitly said that VW needed to lie in order to continue to be successful as a company. And so he basically was admitting, like, yes, they're using this this device in their car. And so what it did was that in the lab, the software in the car recognized when it had the testing equipment hooked up. And so and so it like worked well. I but see. then as soon as you move the steering wheel, it shuts off the thing that um, reduces right. the emissions. Oh. And so they really weren't following the guidelines, but in the labs, it looked like they were. I see. And this was an intentional cheat to get around the um, emissions thing in some more cars. I see. Sketch. Yeah. So this guy, Oliver Schmidt, was keeping... Many people in the dark, especially the U.S. execs, even as he was plotting with the Germans to try to figure this out and get around this. So then Oliver Schmidt was sent back to Germany and they came up with this plan where they were like, okay, we're going to recall the cars Hmm. and then say, oh, this was some kind of faulty thing and we're going to like find a solution for it. Yeah. We're going to recall the cars. And so they see here. Yeah. 
they thought that by doing this, they would convince the Americans who were testing it that the, like, it was just a mistake and that um, they would stop testing their cars after that because, like, oh, we fixed it kind of thing. They said they were going to update the software to fix this issue. But what they did was they updated the software to make it better at cheating the tests. So they didn't fix it at all. They just made it so that it was harder to detect. So they just doubled down. They didn't even admit anything. So they made it worse. Oh, yeah. They They made made it it so much worse. Instead of the college admissions, it's the Volkswagen emissions scandal. Ah. Ah. That wasn't that clever. I'm sure that's what it's called. But anyway. (laughs) That is what it's called. But they basically were like, no, cheat better. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, oh, no, we're not going to change this. We're just going to make it so that no one can tell anymore that we're... As if they think they'd get away with it. Like, I'm having a Scooby-Doo moment. You're not going to get away with this. (laughs) What for you meddling kids? For you CAR or what's that acronym? CARB. ICT. CARB. ICT and CARB. ICT CARB. (laughs) Yeah. But they didn't stop testing the cars because that was their job. So they kept testing the cars even after this software update and they kept getting the same results. So they're like... um, It's not fixed. Yeah so, yeah, so they knew, like, okay, so this is still a thing. Basically, the the VW engineers, they learned that when the cars were driving on the road, sometimes the emissions controls actually worked when it was on the road. But as I mentioned, this was really hard on the exhaust system, and so it would have to be replaced a lot. And so that's basically why they did it. When you're testing in the lab, the steering wheels never moved, so that's why. I see. It's like... It can be that way manipulated, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Carb was like, "Okay, no, this is a defeat device. Like you're mm-hmm. you're messing with us." They all had a meeting. The American environmental guy Stuart Johnson met with Carb, and they all yelled at each other because they're like, "Yeah, you guys are. This is this is awful and illegal." And so then the Germans in Volkswagen met with Carb as well, and they finally just admitted to everything. Because the EPA was on their case and they said if they didn't admit to it, then they wouldn't be allowed to sell any cars in the U.S. Um, in 2016. Right? Like they wouldn't certify any 2016 vehicles. And so they, they're like, we can't dominate the U.S. market and be number one in the world if we can't sell any cars. <laughs> so well, you shouldn't have <laughs> lied. Yeah. But anyway. Basically, they, they claimed that it was the result of a couple of engineers. No one else knew about it. Uh-huh. And that ultimately, whoever implemented it went through this cost-benefit analysis where they're like, oh, it's better for the company and stuff like that. So so in September 2015, the EPA kind of formally was like, okay, yeah, you guys violated our law. And then Congress started to investigate. They had the VW Group of America CEO, this guy named Michael Horn, um, testify before Congress. And he also said that it was not a corporate decision. He had no idea what a defeat device was. He'd never heard of it before. It was a couple of software engineers who did it, even though he had emails going back to 2014 that said that he knew about it. So I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. I've never heard. I don't. We're not even dating. <laughs> right. She's just I've a friend. I've never heard of this. <laughs> what? What is this? What? 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I just had to do my bad German accent. I throw it in every chance I get. I do. I'm so sorry to anyone who's German who's listening to this. I know there are Germans who listen to this. Thank because you. Because I know them personally. So I apologize. Yes. I apologize. Sorry. You guys are great. Um, how do we even have any listeners? I don't even know. I don't know. know. How have you? Have, <laughs> how, thank you all for... Ugh, uh, anyway, go on. I'm you, sorry. Thank you. So, and also, so everyone's like, no, everyone's like, no one knew about it. In 2015, the German news magazine Der Spiegel reported that at least 30 people at a management level in VW knew about it for years. Oh, my God. And they still denied it. Scandal. And they actually started to seize devices around 2006. So it it had been like... So way before then. Yeah, a really long time. Really long time. Um, And initially, the software was provided to them by Bosch for testing purposes or whatever. And they explicitly explicitly were like, yeah, you can't use this in real life like cars. This is just... Because it's illegal. And they're just like, okay. And they just like, whoops. Did it anyway. The guy in Germany, Winterkorn, he had to resign even though he denied that he knew anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, in Germany, over 60,000 civil lawsuits were filed by mm. private citizens against VW, like by people who owned the cars. So this is all really bad, but... yeah. One of the worst. So this is for the side note. Um, I got a lot of this information from the documentary Dirty Money, which oh, I our reference a yep. lot. Um, it's the just really good. Maple syrup good. still gets me. I, I know. I can't. The maple syrup. So this is the first episode. It's it's really really good. Highly recommend watching that. This is one of the worst parts. Okay. It gets worse. Okay. Um. So VW was marketing these diesel cars, and they didn't want people to know that they were like really harmful. So they wanted to create their own data to show people that it was fine and to convince them to buy the cars. So they created a fake research company called... No, that is so... (laughs) It's so shitty. Instead of of putting time and effort into figuring out an actual solution, Uh they're going through so... Okay, keep going. This is good tea. The audacity of these men. I want to know... Like, in what meeting was everyone like, yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I just want to know what makes someone just go so Mm -hmm. power and money hungry to just keep that blows my mind. Yeah. The things that people do for money. And they mentioned in the documentary, too, that in all these emails and stuff, they didn't find one where someone was like, actually, maybe we shouldn't do Um, this. Actually. It was um, just sort of everyone was just It was the intern. They were getting coffee (laughs) at the time. And they were like, I'll get fired. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, bummer. Uh, okay. So they created this fake research company called EUGT, and it was funded by them, uh, Mercedes, and BMW to study diesel exhaust. Mm. And they paid over $700,000 to a organization called Lovelace Respiratory Research Institute in New Mexico. And they conducted a study. They wanted to show that this new diesel engine was more environment, more environmentally friendly than old diesel engines um, and that it wouldn't cause health problems in people. So they were very into this. Um, The execs delivered the testing equipment to the lab themselves. Like they drove the test cars there personally. It was very like um, hands-on. And VW also got to see the real-time data in the study, which is 
very unusual. Mm. So their initial study proposal had a human on an exercise bike in a room where they were pumping it with diesel exhaust. I'm sorry. And then they would see afterwards what it did to them. So they didn't. This is like the PFOA shit all over again. (laughs) I know. So they didn't end up actually doing it on humans. Right. Um, But. I mean, I was thinking about this as you were talking about the gas in the room because it's like the same thing. Yeah. That was weird. Um, So you're like, "Ah." (laughs) Yeah. But they actually did it on monkeys. Oh. So they put them in these like boxes and they train them to watch TV. So they would turn on cartoons. Oh, cute. (laughs) Yeah, but. They had, but actually not cute. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, no, like, that is cute. But they had these hoses in these boxes, and they were, like, they were attached to the car exhaust. So they would turn on the car and then just pump them with this diesel exhaust for, like, three to four hours at a time. Hmm. These these monkeys. And so they did it with the, quote-unquote, clean diesel engines and then an older one. Um, and then they would take him back to the lab and do all these tests to see, like, what it did to these monkeys. Oh. These poor, these poor little monkeys. These poor little monkeys. They so just wanted to watch them. Fairly Odd Parents. I know. And, uh, you know. Mm. Yeah. But then the guy leading the study, once he found out they were using a defeat device, he was like, we can't publish this. And so he refused. Hmm. Um, and they call this Monkey Gate. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and like in their court case, VW filed a motion so that none of this would be included. So because if a jury heard this, they would, right? it would just be like game over. Yeah. So Jeez. this is not mentioned in court. Okay. Um, See, how does, how does that, like, how does, I don't know. How, how do you decide what is, okay, go on. I don't know. Uh, I'm not a lawyer, (laughs) obviously. So the state of New York got involved and they sued VW for fraud. They found emails on things where they were talking about how the executives were looking at penalties that other car manufacturers had faced for similar things. And they were weighing, like, can we accept a penalty like this? They're like, should we move forward with this? I think we should because we can pay this amount of money right. kind of thing like yeah. it won't bother us that much if they catch us and then we have to pay this amount of money so this is the so. line where we're like comfortable because we just make so much money yeah wait okay so they want to make more sales so they're willing to go through all of this but they have so much money that they don't have to worry about a lawsuit up to a certain point because yeah make it make sense but like we can like we can do this illegal thing because they'll just make us pay this money so as this was going on and they're justifying it and everything, they have all these ad campaigns promoting clean diesel, knowing full well that it's not clean and that they were it was literally just them lying about it. So it's an oxymoron by a bunch mm-hmm. of morons. Yes. They sold between 2009 and 2015, they sold 11 million of these cars worldwide. Shoot. And it's a lot of cars. Yeah. And they were all polluting at these like dangerous levels. Okay. You know what? So at the end of the day, VW had to pay over $33 billion <gasps> in fines Jeez. and buy back over 550,000 vehicles from people who didn't want them anymore. So are they still in business? Obviously. <laughs> yep. Yep. But okay. it's the biggest auto settlement in history. Well. Like $33 billion. That's. That's like. With a B. That's with a B. so much money. I know. Well, they had it, I guess, you know. Those bitches. 
In January 2017, VW pled guilty to conspiracy to defraud the U.S., Mm. to commit wire fraud and violate the Clean Air Act, which is the pollution law, um, obstruction of justice, and importation of goods by false statements. That's a lot. I know. Some of their executives were actually arrested. Ooh. Um, which doesn't happen. <laughs> this guy named James Liang, he was a German executive. He spent 40 months in prison. Oliver Schmidt was also arrested. I don't Schmitty. know what his sentence was, um, but there were six executives indicted in the U.S. The American guy, Stuart Johnson, he was not charged with a crime, but he kind of um, like testified against other people. I see. Do you think Hillary Clinton was on that email chain? <laughs> she was probably. So- <laughs> probably. <laughs> but the emails. But the emails. Okay. <laughs> um, the CEO, Michael Horn, resigned in 2019. Vintacon and <laughs> some other executives, they were actually charged. I don't know what happened with that, though. And so at this time as well, German journalists were looking into this. And they wanted to test cars as well. They're like, let's just, you know, test. For the sake of it. Yeah. yeah like, not just VW cars, but other German yeah. cars like Mercedes. Like Porsche and, and... Yeah, and BMW and things like that. BMW. Yeah. Bayerische Motorwerk. Werke? Is that what it is? I don't know. Bayerische Motorenwerke AG. Egal. Genau. They're older than VW, founded in 1916. Thanks, Wikipedia. Wow. Okay, um, <laughs> side note. Wikipedia is not a credible uh, source. Honestly, though, it kind of is. It kind of got me through a I lot of it. It was a good starting point. I exactly. love Wikipedia. I don't care. Yeah, exactly. So these German journalists were testing their own cars, which was difficult because uh, none of the testing places in Germany like wanted to help them because they worked for the auto manufacturers. Sure. So they had to go to Switzerland. <laughs> so they found that the BMW and the Mercedes cars that they tested had the same levels as the vw cars no way so essentially they were also using these defeat devices wait my mom drives a diesel mercedes ah. it, are we in danger i don't know you have to get an emissions test mom <laughs> let her know mom yeah so these bmws and mercedes cars they were 400 to 500 times dirtier on the road than in the lab <gasps> gross and the journalists expose this information even though they were getting all these threats and stuff and they found out that basically the german government was enabling this um whoa plot twist it goes all the way to the top jeez because money so it's i again i don't know anything about cars and i don't know anything about european laws or anything but apparently every european car manufacturer uses these kinds of they call them calibration techniques or strategies that would be considered defeat devices in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Even though the definition of the defeat device is the same in Germany and the U.S. and in the EU. But in Germany or in the EU, I guess in general, you're allowed to change the calibration of a car in order to protect the engine. So it's like a loophole. Mm-hmm. So the manufacturers can do it this way and then just say oh we just need to do it this way to protect the engine and then they can get away with it it's like really um doesn't really make a lot of sense no none of it does and in europe they also have a problem with enforcement 
So each country is responsible for enforcing these laws, and some do it more than others. I see. So the car manufacturers will find the countries with the weakest enforcement, and um, sometimes countries will even have weak enforcement as, like, an incentive to bring in car manufacturers because they're like, oh, we won't enforce these laws, so come make your cars. Yeah. Kind of thing. Hmm. Also, which I didn't know, the German state of Lower Saxony, Niedersachsen, they own 20% of Volkswagen's, um, like, voting stock. Huh. Which gives them the right to vote on corporate policies as a shareholder of the company. Hmm. So, like, the actual state government owns stock in the company. Well, that, which I is feel like, is biased. You know, like, you'll... Exactly. Hmm. So why would they be critical of VW or investigate them when they bring in so much money to the region and so many jobs? Because like I said, they're like one of the richest cities in in the German, uh, in Germany. So it's very, (laughs) in the German. So it's all very corrupt. Yeah. Ew. um, Like even today, a lot of the cars in Europe, they're still selling dirty cars. That are polluting like this. Um, Think of the polar bears, y'all. I know. The German government and European governments in general did a lot more testing after the VW scandal of different vehicles and found that vehicles in Europe are six to seven times dirtier than like the standards Mm. in the U.S. Um, Europe is generally not meeting their air quality projections because Mm. of this and it causes, as I said, a lot of health problems. In Germany, this is causing 10,000 premature deaths per year. No. Due to the NOx levels in the air. No. It's scary. It's like out of your control. And other car manufacturers such as Volvo, Renault, Jeep, Hyundai, Citroen, and Fiat have also been dabbling in these emissions things these defeat devices and so now there's a higher awareness of these things but it's still a really bad problem and so just a few notes on nox so with these vehicles specifically in the u.s between 2008 and 2015 the excess pollution that they produced caused approximately 59 premature deaths but some studies say that this could go up to 350 death it also causes respiratory problems like asthma bronchitis and emphysema good and amplifies the effects of soot in the air which causes heart problems Icky. this form of pollution so soot pollution kills fifty thousand people in the united states every year oh my god these emissions that were from these cars that they lied about were associated with 45,000 disability-adjusted life years, which is like a total number of years lost of life Oh, um, due to disabilities and health problems. Sad. And like the, the years that have been lost also cost $39 billion in the U.S. Wow. So, also, as I mentioned, acid rain, smog, ozone levels, everything's just, you know, so it's, it's like, just, it just makes me so mad because these people totally, like, just doubled down on these lies and created this just so they could make more money knowing that they're skirting these laws that are there for a reason. Right. To protect people in the environment, which actually led to to people dying right so and not to mention our planet yeah 
So corporate greed is real and is val- money is valued over human life. It is. Um, and in t- the fiscal year in 2020, the Volkswagen Group uh, generated sales revenue of 222.9 billion euros. <sighs> so their fine of 33 billion euros or billion dollars is not that much. <laughs> no. No. But you, if you do look up their like revenue year over year, you'll see in 2015 it was negative. Well, I would hope so. And then, yeah, and then, it, but it, you know, they bounce back. So, um, yeah, I, I'm disappointed. I'm, I'm very disappointed. The monkey go to your room, and it's just, Jeez. it's really bad. Those poor monkeys. So, and a bunch of people involved just never face any consequences. Ugh, what a con. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the volkswagen emissions scandal god white people like literally they're all old white men god. most of them at least it's like, i'm sure all well they're german but uh, yeah gosh darn it i'm angry i know oh gosh i want to like i don't know i feel like a yappy dog i just need to like <laughs> forget something like or <laughs> well it makes you wonder like who else is everyone these laws and- i have no trust in like any yeah anything I don't Everything. know. I bought um, these pants when I was on vacation, and I put them in my hamper today, and I noticed as I took the tag off that there was a tag inside that said, may cause reproductive harm. Excuse me? For pants? <laughs> so I was like, cool. How? Why? Like, I think it's a PFA thing. Really? Like, it, well, it's the state of California. You have to label, like, everything that could potentially be toxic. Oh. And so... Um, you'll see on like a lot of different products they have like may cause reproductive harm in the state of California. Great. Only in California though. <laughs> Only <laughs> not in Illinois. Not in you're fine. You'll you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Ew, it makes me also man. Oh. Fiddlesticks. Mm-hmm. So that's that. Love it. Love white collar crime. Mm. Because all they get is a slap on the wrist. Yeah, basically. While like people who are like dealing weed or something get life sentences. Make it make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. Especially now that weed is like legalized in a lot of states. Mm-hmm. Any nonviolent marijuana charges. Ugh, I know. So angry. I know. Jesus Ugh. Christ. All right. Cool. So, uh, damn, dude. I know. I just want to be in that meeting. Like, oh really? Right. Oh really, Paul? Or like whatever. <laughs> oh it's like you don't think when you send an email that someone's not going to be able to find it but i deleted it they also destroyed a bunch of documents so who knows what else um like was missed but yeah it's like it's on your computer like you're saying like oh i don't know anything about this but it's like there's literally emails that you sent to people (laughs) like sounds good best like (laughs) yeah (laughs) warmly can confirm receipt i hope this note finds you well um actually i'm having a pretty bad day now <laughs> that you <laughs> uh can you imagine if you like reply to emails like very honest it's like i hope this finds you well actually i just had my third panic attack of the day oh. um and i'm internally screaming but what's up <laughs> oh god yeah no i don't want to meet with you please stop emailing <laughs> please me please don't call me ever please don't call me ever again uh. I don't even know how to do my job. Like, why are you asking me, like, <laughs> these questions? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Happy Friday. 44. Thanks for listening. Thank you all so much for listening to episode 44. It really means so much to us that you tune in with and, and 
listen in, really. If you don't know, we, at the end of episodes, would like to thank the artists that have helped us. Our music is composed by Colin Whitlish, and music production is by Justin Toom. And our cover art is by Erica Chase. Would you like to tell them where to find us? You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Send us an email at theinsomniareport at gmail.com to suggest a topic or send in a listener report. Maybe you have your own story, something paranormal, something true crime, maybe. And then we Alien can do, abduction, who knows? Yeah, whatever, whatever. Have you, you seen have. a skinwalker? <laughs> have, do, you, do you have a divic box? Mm. Mm. Don't send us pictures of don't. your divic box. Well, don't please. send them. I, don't send us anything haunted. No, don't send us anything Unless haunted. it's a story that won't curse us. Yes. But we might feature your story in a listener episode, so send it our way and give us a rating on your favorite podcast streaming service. It really means a lot. Yes. It makes our day. We do a happy dance. Yes. I know that we are called the Insomnia Report, but please make sure you get your sleep. <laughs> Eat your vegetables. <laughs> Please sleep. Don't drive when you're sleepy. No, don't do it. If you pull an all-nighter, be responsible. Like, okay, you need sleep. Yeah. You gotta do it. I need to take my own advice. We're gonna go to bed now. Yeah. Stay sleepy and spooky, and we will catch you at 45 for another paranormal tale. Yay. Good night. Good night.